Hey, uh, happy 4th of July. I'm so glad that you're here with us. I do want to say good morning to Daystar Church at all of our locations. And um, I have with me uh, Pastor Nassan Ibrahim, the uh, bishop over Daystar International Ministries, all in Uganda, and the pastor of Daystar Cathedral. Y'all welcome our friend, Nassan. Yeah, so um, before I get into the message today, we have a some testimony, which is really exciting. And we have a prayer need that we need you to, to pray with us about. Um, uh, you know, first of all, just to kind of reset where we are, you know, we said that uh, in, this, in this season, a three-year journey we're calling move, going from a moment to a movement, thank you, uh, that we're going to see God do something, uh, a movement in all of our locations. And so we're building buildings in, in, in locations. But but also in Uganda, we've, we've been able to uh, really bless the people through COVID. And one of the things that we've had our eye on for a long time, uh, Pastor, is to start a church planting group. You know, we would plant churches, sharing the gospel in towns and villages all over Uganda. Tell the people about where we've been and what we've been I'm doing. I'm so delighted and blessed to be here with you today at Desta Church in Good Hope. Uh, this last January, this church sponsored me and sent me back home to Uganda. And what was in my heart, God was rebutting me to go to the remote and the villages and the cities, planting churches. Praise God, we succeeded from January to the end of May. We were able to plant 57 churches in Uganda. Not only that, but also even when the bishop came, I think February, we were able to baptize. And by May, our total number was two. 2,112 people baptized in water. And uh, not only that, but also throughout our mission from January to May, we were able to reach and win souls. 7,000 plus people gave their life to Jesus Christ. Great and exciting things happening and going on. We have given the devil a hard time as never before. <laughs> Did you hear that? And all that is because of you, your prayers, your generosity, and you keep sending us through the big heart of our Bishop Jay Lawson. <laughs> I, I like, uh, I like his, did you hear it? We've been giving devil hard time in Uganda. <laughs> I like that. You know, when he told me we've started from the end of January to the end of May, uh, 57 churches. I was thinking, well, does that mean you mean like we started some churches and some churches joined Daystar International Ministries? And that's true, but all 57 are brand, brand new churches. Established, yes. And uh, we have a witness from here. Kim Porter was there in our last church. Roll, roll that video. Actually, we have. Uh, yeah, uh, this clip of video you see, you can see Keep with us. We were planting that was our last church. And keep helped us buy a property where that church will be built on. You can see hundreds and hundreds of people coming to that meeting. Yeah, so uh, thank you for that clip, guys. So that's the 57th church. We've also had something like 140 established churches say they want to be a part of Daystar International Ministries. So we now have over 206. Six, yeah. 206. They're all total churches in the city, in the cities. <laughs> In cities and remote areas and villages, we are now 206 churches. And we have 206 pastors in those areas. 
God has worked astounding Amen. jobs Let's give God in your life. From a moment to a movement. Amen. So when the pandemic struck, uh, Uganda shut down everything, and um, we. Uh, in Uganda, there's no social safety net. There's no social security. There's no stimulus package. There's no rescue plan. There's just hungry people. Yes. And um, talk about what we did, how Daystar was able to respond. Uh, last year? Yeah, last year. Last year, when we had a lockdown, we had nothing to do. I saw myself, my pastors, our staff, starving. And I called Bishop Jay. I said, what are we going to do? And this is the word he told me. He said, we are standing with you. And they begin sending any money, sending any food. So we begin buying now corn, buy beans, buy salt, and begin distributing. But the most exciting things we touched Muslims as never before. Yeah. They were able to see just Christ through our giving food to them. Yeah. So we fed every imam, every yes. Muslim leader yes. Yes. <laughs> in the area that was really And they exciting. could confess that there's no any other place we know that it can help us, but only Daystar Cathedral. So listen, you guys, you're giving your generosity through MOVE. Uh, we invested $85,000 last year. Uh, tons and tons of food. Uh, literally, there was a lockdown. You couldn't go anywhere, but they allowed, the government allowed people to come to Daystar because there was, there was food there. For see, the government promised to help the people and then they fell. And when the church came out and we helped the people, then the government said, this is the only place you allow people to go because they knew we were giving people solution. Amen. And giving them food. <laughs> so let's, let's fast forward to where we are. Uh, you may have seen in the news, uh, Uganda has taken a really rough turn. The, the new variant, uh, I think they call it variant D, uh, the in, uh, from India has really hit Uganda hard. Talk about where yeah, it is. Right now, we have been hit by the second wave of uh, coronavirus. What is uh, really touching and breaking our hearts is most of pastors are dying. I'm so amazed that was happening. Since in the last three weeks ago, we might have lost over 70 pastors dead. Now, these ordinary people, you cannot count. The president is confused. The country is frustrated. The hospitals are full. No oxygen, no ventilators, no vaccine. I said, Bishop, please, will you stand with Uganda? Will you call this uh, the service of today a special prayer for Uganda and let God become a solution to our country? When the doctors, even doctors are dying. That was an amazing thing. Doctor, we have lost it. Doctors, nurses. We need your help. We need your prayers. God has power to reverse the thing and save our country. That's right. That's right. We, we met uh, over lunch. We talked about it. And, and, and we read uh, from the, the scripture in Galatians that says, uh, see, see that you, you are generous to those in need and especially those in the household of faith. Kind of gives you a line that, that the church should be generous everywhere and the generosity should begin in the house of faith. And so we're going to do that. Uh, I have committed that we're going to continue as your generosity continues to give. We're going to continue to send food um, and we're going to send it out to the homes. So uh, the members of the church are going to have food for their family and their neighbors. Okay, yes. we're going to we're going to do it that way. And we feel like that'll be a beautiful testimony to that community that, you know, there's a light 
Wherever there's a believer, there should be light. You shouldn't have to come to the building for there to be a light in your neighborhood, but there's a light not only of, of food, but there's faith in that house, you know. And so uh, if you want to give to that, just keep giving to move. Or you, if you don't know what that is, maybe you're new to the church, you can just write Uganda on any gift that you give, and uh, we'll, we'll be able to help those people in need. And more importantly, you didn't ask for any of that. No, no. You asked for prayer. For prayer, yes. Talk, talk us about what you believe in prayer. Uh, before that, I also wanted the people to know that Uganda, we have 40 million people. But you cannot believe in the 40 million people what this Desta Church is doing. We are small components in that country, but even Uganda knows that Desta is reaching the rich for Christ. Amen. I believe in the prayers. Why? For the last 35 years, my life has been life of miracles. I have seen God of miracles. I've seen God healing. I've seen God delivering people from different kinds of bondages. That's why I believe today, my faith, his faith, and your faith can make a difference in the country of Uganda. Amen. And this, this specific I want God to do. I want God to move to the blessed country like this. They send the vaccine to our country. Amen. The Europeans send the vaccine. Because if our people can get the opportunity of having the vaccine, they can be spared. Right now we have zero. And our prayer here can move to the hearts of those guys and the president of nations. I want you to stand with me everywhere. And I just want to speak directly to the people of Uganda. Because we know that there are many, many that are watching us. Uh, we reached out to them. And we want to tell you... Uh, on behalf of all these people that, are, that you can't see, I, I want to tell you that you're not forgotten. Yes. That, that you matter to us, that we love you and that we're standing with you and that we're going to do the most powerful thing we can do and that is to pray for you. I'm, I'm going to kneel down. The reason I'm going to kneel down, I want to become a point of contact of my country. That once I kneel down, I want you to see as Uganda is down on the feet of Jesus looking desperately for rescue and for help. Amen. So would you just stretch your hand toward uh, our Bishop Nassan and as if you were there, as if you were in Uganda and you were handing that food or handing medicine to someone in need, this is the most powerful way we can do this and join me in prayer. Father, I just thank you right now that you hear us, God, that you are with us in this moment, that right now, that people all over our campuses in Alabama are lifting up a prayer of faith right now. God, this amazing church that uh, has so much technology that ties us together, there's something bigger than technology that's tying us together today. It's our faith. And we are stretching our faith toward those in need, God. And we pray for you to do what only you can do. Would you break the chains of this disease in Jesus' name? God, we speak the name that is above every other name. All the names that bring up fear, like, uh, like virus and, and sickness and uh, death and, and, and uh, the ventilators or the shortage of ventilators. All those scary words, they are not as powerful as the name of Jesus Christ.
So we speak that name, the healing. There is healing in that name. There is hope in that name. There is deliverance. There's miracles in the name of Jesus. There's provision in the name of Jesus. Oh, there's protection over uh, all the people of Uganda in Jesus' name. And so, Father, today we trust and we know that you are touching your people. And you're moving on the powers of European and, and, and America, all these nations, God. You're moving on the powers that can rush aid and assistance to the people of Uganda. And we praise you and we thank you now for the generosity of spirit for the people of God as we reach out to your sons and daughters in Uganda. And we ask this in Jesus' mighty name. And come on, can we offer thanks to God right now because we know he heard us? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you in this morning. Thank you, Pastor. We love you. Come on, you guys, give a big God bless you to Pastor Nassan. Amen. You guys can be seated. You know, there's a lot of fear uh, around things like this. And, and um, you know, I had determined today I wanted to talk on fear. And, um, you, you know, a lot of times we prepare things and we get it all together really tied up neat in a bow, but hey, it's 4th of July week. We didn't do that, okay? We just kind of got together, and they picked some songs, and I picked a sermon. But it was interesting to me. Did you notice how often the message in the songs today spoke about fear, that, that fear has to bow, and that in the name of Jesus, you know, uh, he, he can change everything that you're afraid of. Here's the truth. Fear affects all of us, but fear controls some of us. And, and that, bec- that becomes a major problem. And I want to use a little picture that uh, will help me illustrate what I want to say about fear. I saw this picture some time back, put it here on the screen. You may have seen this before, guy in a kayak off the coast and a huge shark is behind him. Now, this is a real story. Uh, this is not photoshopped. Uh, this is a picture. This really happened. This guy is being chased uh, by this shark. Now, this is, this is not where I want to be. Can I hear an amen to that? All right, I need to be way up over here. That's where I need to be in this picture. Um, but it really, when I saw this picture, all I saw was a sermon. That's how preachers are. We see sermons and stuff. And I saw three things I want to tell you about fear. So if you're taking notes, actually in your worship guide, I gave you the notes. You can fill in the blank, follow along. Here's the first thing I noticed in the picture. Fear comes when you're in the wrong place. And this guy is in the wrong place place. He needs to be way over here. Even if he's like 20 yards off the shore, he's probably not going to be chased by a great white shark, a 15 foot shark, right? He's drifting. Everybody say that word drifting. He's drifted too far from the shore. Now here's what the Bible says, that the author and the finisher of our faith is Jesus Christ. That's where it begins and that's where it ends. And the closer we are to Jesus, the greater our faith is, the greater our faith walk is. But too many times we're like this poor guy here. We have drifted too far from the shore. And the things that we know are important, that we say are important, that we, we convince ourselves in our mind, these are valuable and important things in my life like prayer, like uh, worship, this, this gathering together of worship, like Bible reading, like connecting with others in small groups, uh, spiritual growth. Those things are important. They're valuable. Everyone knows that they are. They're just not urgent in our lives. Everybody say urgent. How many of you know that getting away from this shark is urgent right now for this guy, right? So, so you know, like five minutes ago, getting back to shore was not urgent for him. All of a sudden, it's urgent. 
I've been a pastor for 20 years. I, I know you can't believe it. I'm, I was seven years old when I started, clearly. Okay. But in all those years, my phone always blows up emails, messages, uh, social media contacts of people that are in crisis. And more times than not, really, guys, most of the time, it's somebody that loves Jesus. They know what's valuable and important, but they've drifted. You know, they just don't think about it. These things are important, but they're not urgent in my life. And so I just drift farther and farther farther away from the shore. And then before I know it, all of a sudden, boom, I'm in a crisis. In fact, we're not the first people to do this. It's not a new phenomenon in the body of Christ. The very first Christians did this. Uh, Think about the apostle Peter. Do you remember his story? Walked on water. He was so close to Jesus that when others began to drift away, Jesus turned to him and other disciples and said, now will you too also leave me? And Peter said, where would we go? You have the words of life. There's nowhere else to go but you. He's the guy that when uh, when the soldiers came to take Jesus away, to take him to the cross, he's the only one who wanted to fight. He pulled his sword and he tried to chop off their head and he missed, but he did take an ear off. <laughs> he was He was in it. But if you keep reading after that, along around Luke chapter 22, the Bible says, and Peter followed at a distance. That doesn't seem all that bad. He's following Jesus, right? But turn one more page and he denies even knowing Jesus three times in one night. It's a pattern. One minute, you are right up next to the shore where you belong. And then over time, you begin to drift and crisis happens. See, the fearful thing that you're facing might be going on because there was a time when you were passionate. There was a time you were walking on the water with Jesus. There was a time you were taking steps of faith and you knew your life was built on your walk with God. But now you've begun to drift. And everybody say this with me. Say, drifting Drifting. is dangerous. dangerous. Come on, heart, soul, everybody say it with me. Say, drifting Drifting. is dangerous. It really is. When you drift away from where you belong, you get in a bad spot. I was in Uganda and then uh, went over to Kenya and went on a safari in the Maasai Mar. Should be known as the eighth wonder of the world. The great migration of animals through the Maasai is an amazing thing. If you ever get to see it, if you ever get to go or you watch it on TV, it's, it's an amazing thing. Thousands, tens of thousands, I don't know, maybe hundreds of thousands of animals, wildebeest, gazelles, all these impalas, other things are traveling through. And it's just amazing to see, well, where there's all that food, animals, it's food to the predators. They look, all they see is like the Ryan's Buffet smorgasbord, right? And so there's lions and all the, all the different uh, animals out there that, that will chase, uh, will chase uh, the, the grass feeders. And we saw lions everywhere. And I would think, now here's just, I would think, I've always heard that lions attack the one by himself. I would think you get in the middle of it, right? Because I saw, I saw like in one little swath, I would see hundreds going at one time. And, and if I'm a lion, I'm like, that's the buffet right there. Just jump in the middle of that. I mean, you probably scare one of them. He falls over and you eat him or, or you, you chase one and he's too fast. You get another one, but that's not what they do. They don't go where there's a hundred and surely you'll catch one. They go where there's one. I'd always heard that but I saw it with my own eyes. Literally the whole time this mass migration is there. We went out two or three different times. We never saw a lion attack in the middle, but I, with my own eyes, saw this one little gazelle hopping. He looked so cute. He's like, whoa, doing his thing. And then it, it, it had everything except the music. If somebody had to play some, bum, 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 
Because a lion came out of nowhere and attacked that. It was so cool. I mean, I've got pictures if you can take it. No, I'm not going to put them up here because they're pretty gross. But it it really did happen. And and it made me think of this verse. You all know where I'm going, right? Be sober or be self-controlled. Another translation says sober and alert. Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a what, church? Roaring lion looking for someone who to devour. And, And guess who said it? Peter. If there's anybody who knew the danger of drifting... Or, or, or being off by yourself, not in the middle, not uh, in, in closely tethered to the kingdom of God. It was Peter. And so when, when you're in the wrong place, you're in, in the attack zone of the enemy. Maybe that's where fear is coming from in your life today. You're in the wrong place. You need to get close. You, maybe, maybe you've been drifting. You kind of drifted in here today. And, and you know what? That's a, good, that's a good move. But you need to lock arms with the people of God in the body of Christ. Here's the second thing I noticed in this picture about fear is that fear paralyzes. Locks you down. Things you know to do. Like it would seem like um, big shark is coming. Paddle. Like paddle, you know. Uh, But look at this guy. His paddle is not even in the water. Now all of you biochemistry, science people are like, yes, but when there's a shark, the best thing to do is to be still. No, I'm not going to try that. You only get to try that once, right? <laughs> if that doesn't work, you're like, well, I hope they edit the book as I'm being eaten. No, I'm making waves that you could wakeboard behind. I am moving this thing. It's kind of like the story I heard about these two guys that were bear hunting. You know, they saw a bear. They pulled their guns up. Click. The guns jam. The bear notices them, starts coming toward them. One guy says to the other, oh, oh, remember, remember, remember what the book says, lie down and be still and the bear won't eat you. The other guy's like, I know what the book said and you know what the book said. I just hope the bear knows what the book said. <laughs> that fear, you know, freaks you out. You don't know what to do. You forget who you are in Christ. You forget about prayer. You withdraw from the people of God. You stop talking to that woman of faith that's been a spiritual mother to you or that man of God who's been a spiritual father to you. You, you stop, you know, the Bible says like iron sharpens iron. One believer sharpens another. And, but instead of doing that, you withdraw so no one is sharpening you. You do the wrong things. And we forget that the Bible says this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We forget that stuff. And instead of believing, you know, when the enemy comes in, we forget, man, I've been empowered by Christ. I'm going to walk forward. Instead, we withdraw. And see, every word of this verse is intentional. I want you to say the verse with me. Say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, we're going to say it many times. And I want you to emphasize the first word. Every word here matters. Emphasize with me the first word. Say it like this. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can Come on, point at yourself. Say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Not the preacher, not the bishop from Uganda. No, you, you can do it. Not, not after you go to seminary or after you clean up your act. No, no, no. Christ will strengthen you when you trust in him, when you know he's your only hope, when you put him the first line of defense uh, against your adversary, you can do all things through Christ. Now let's emphasize this word and listen to what it says to you. Say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That means I can do this thing. 
This thing right now, this divorce thing that is wrecking my world, I can get through this. This this drug addiction, I can get through this. This depression I'm fighting, I can get through this. This financial burden, this bankruptcy uh, fear, I can do all things. Every single thing you're going through, it has to bow beneath the name of Jesus Christ. I can do all things through Christ. Let, let, let's emphasize him in this one. Say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. It's not my strength, it's his strength. It's not my righteousness, it's his righteousness. It's not my wisdom, it's his wisdom. You see, we have sometimes what I call a, a spiritual inferiority complex, you know. Well, you know, I don't know the Bible as well as the preacher does, or, you know, I'm not as holy as so-and-so is, and, you know, I, I really don't pray as well as the other people do, and so, no, 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 it's not about you, it's about Christ who gives you strength. When you decide, he's my Lord, I'm not my Lord, I'm not the author of my destiny, Christ is the author of my destiny, then all the weight's not on me, it's not on my righteousness, it's not on my wisdom, it's not on my ability, it's not even on how hard I work, it's when I humble myself. The Bible says, if you will humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, he will lift you up in due season. Come on, somebody give him praise for that promise of his strength in your life. See, we forget these things. I mean, if I really believed that I could do all things, you think you could paralyze me in fear? Man, I step right into your face. You know, that big bully comes on the playground and you're just kind of like this. But if you knew you were bigger than him, you step right up to him. See, fear, the spirit of fear that's released over us when we open ourselves and we, we allow it, when we believe the lies of the enemy, that spirit of fear holds us back. The Bible says this, all things are possible to him who believes. You might be asking yourself this question, do I have the ability to overcome this struggle? And, and you know what? I don't know. I, I can't know the answer to that question for you. Here's what I know. That's the wrong question. The right question is, do I have the faith to overcome the struggle? Not the ability, but the faith. Because all things are possible to him who believes. So today, I'm, I'm here to remind you, you're a child of God. You belong to him. Whatever you are lacking on the ability side is more than made up for on the spirit side. The spirit of God lives inside of you. You have what it takes. And here's the verse you need to remember in 1 John 4 and 4. But you belong to God. Say it with me. Say, I belong to God. Find you a friend and say, you belong to God. Point at somebody. Yeah, remind you of stuff. And here's what comes with that. Since you belong to God, you have already won. I need y'all to help me say these words. Say it with me. Say, I belong to God. And I've already won. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit in the world. Look at this right here, this capital S. That denotes the Holy Spirit, the spirit of God. Look over here, lowercase s. That means not God. This is a spiritual world. Yeah, you ever woke up with an angry spirit on you? You know, angry attitude, don't point to your neighbor, your wife, your spouse. Just let this be about you and Jesus, okay? Yeah, yeah, woke up. Some people have a gossipy spirit on them. Yeah, they got that kind of. Some people have a judgmental spirit on them, just a nasty spirit. Okay, those are not good things, but those are all lowercase s spirits. They're not God. But there is a spirit on you. Come on, somebody. The Holy Spirit that lives in you. 
And that spirit is greater than any spirit that lives in the world. Whatever spirit's on your boss, whatever spirit's on your spouse, whatever spirit has attacked. Maybe it's like, I don't even know if it's a spiritual thing at all. Maybe it's just dumb luck. Maybe it's just bad choices. Whatever is on the other side, whatever's on the debit side of the equation, on the credit side of the equation is that God has chosen you to be his daughter or to be his son. And when you accept that choice, when you receive him, his spirit comes inside of you and lives in you. And that spirit is greater than any spirit that's against you in this world. Yes. And amen. So don't be paralyzed. Don't hold back in fear. Step forward in faith. Fear causes you to drift. It comes when you, when you're far from God, it causes you to be paralyzed and do nothing. And here's the last thing I want to show you about fear. Fear comes when you lose sight of your destiny. Man, if, if I'm looking at something that's bright and beautiful and a promise from God, I, I really don't have time to be afraid of what's down here. And I'm going somewhere. Man, God's called me. It's, 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 it's like when Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall that had been broken down. And, and there were enemy raiders coming everywhere. He, first, he has a hammer. He's a chisel. And he's, he's stone building that wall. Then all of a sudden he finds out there's going to be enemies. You know what he does? He doesn't stop building. He straps on a sword, picks up the chisel and hammer and goes back to work again. And people are like, are you crazy, man? This is the time to hunker down, to get inside your house, shelter in place. He's like, I'm building a wall and I can't come down. And when the enemy got so close that he had to put his hammer down, he just pulled his sword out for a while. He'd fight for a while, resheath it, go back to building. Everybody say destiny. That's what destiny looks like. When you know you belong to God, that you're going somewhere, that there is a destiny in your future, then that doesn't mean there's not going to be scary stuff going on around you. But it's not your destiny. See, this guy right here, what what made me think about it was this guy is looking backwards. Okay, let's give him a break. I think we'd all be looking backwards if there was a 15-foot shark coming behind us, right? That's fine. But he needs to be looking here to get here. And you need to be looking forward too. Everything back there is the past. Nobody's going to find their destiny looking over their shoulder. Nobody is. The scary stuff's back there. The mistakes are back there. The stuff you're ashamed of is all back there. Leave it back there. And if what you're looking at doesn't look like destiny, you're looking in the wrong direction. Look up. Look, look, look to where the promise of God is. And maybe you don't know what destiny is supposed to look like. Here's the framework of your destiny. The plan of God. If you hear me preach more than three times, you're going to get this verse somewhere. For I know the plans and I inserted the word destiny. God says, I know the destiny I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. To give you what, church? Hope and a future. This is the framework for your destiny. It's going to fit somewhere in here where you're like, man, fear's not in there. Sickness is not in there. Death is not in there. The death of a, of a relationship, the death, death of your family is not in there. And you might say, well, that's all good, but it's what I'm looking at. Well, here's what you have to determine. What I'm dealing with is temporary. This, is t- this doesn't look like a hope and a future. It doesn't look like prosperity or anything. Okay. But it, it's temporary. 
Because here's what I know. I know that there's an answer coming that's bigger than the temporary. And Jesus talked about it. The last verse I want to show you. Jesus in John 16. In, in, in chapters uh, 14 and 15, Jesus talks about a lot of scary stuff that's coming your way. And then he said, I've told you all this, all this scary stuff, so that you may have peace in me. Say those three words with me. Peace in me. And he goes on, he says, here on earth, you're going to have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. See, here's what I, I know. You may not know what's coming next, the, the next scary thing that's coming your way. I don't either. I don't know what's coming. I know my destination. Are you hearing me? I know where it ends. I don't know about all the curves. I don't know about all the bumps in the road. I don't know about all the potholes and all the frightening signs that I'm going to see. Here's what I know. I'm going to, even along the way, I'm going to have peace in Jesus. Because I'm not floating out there with the shark. I'm staying close to the shore. And I'm going to have peace in Jesus. And that, that, that's going to happen while it's all happening. And here's where it's going to end. I have overcome the world. Where's Jerry going to be? I'm overcoming. I'm overcoming. Well, that's bold and brave, Jerry. You don't know what's coming next, Pastor. We might hear something so and so happen to you. We might hear you got sick. We might hear something. Okay, that's fine. Jesus said, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble. But he says, I'm going to send you peace in the middle of the trouble. And at the end of the day, we're going to overcome this thing. Oh, man. I'm not saying out there with all the wise guys complaining and pointing. You know, the easiest thing in the world is to point out everything that went wrong and everything that's bad and everything you did wrong. Okay. There's a whole tribe of people. That's like their calling in life. Point out everything that's going bad and everything somebody did bad. I'm not hanging out with those jokers. All right. There was a, there's another story. I, I, I hadn't preached in a while. I got like eight sermons I'm trying to preach right now. But there's another sermon I could preach about when Abraham went up on the mountain and he met God. And he said, my son and I, we're going to go up on the mountain. And the rest of you guys can hang out with the donkeys. And, and when I preach that sermon, I ask you, are you going to be a mountain climber or a donkey maintainer? There's donkey maintainers. They just stay at the bottom of the hill saying, those jokers will never get up there. There's no God on top of that mountain. Those guys are crazy. And at the end of the day, the guys who climbed the mountain met God. The other guys hung around with donkeys. You know what donkeys do all day? Eat and poop. You can have donkey poop or you can climb the mountain and be with Jesus. There's a lot of people walking and waiting in the donkey poop of this world and this life. Telling you all about it on Facebook, how terrible my life was, how terrible your life is, how bad the president is, how awful the government is. Uh, This is bad. This is terrible. That's fine. You know what? A lot of the donkey poop, I didn't put that in my notes, but I guess it's a part of it now. A lot of that is real stuff, okay? A lot of that's real stuff. I would just rather climb the mountain. I'd just rather rise above it. I would rather, knowing that there's a lot of junk in the foothills, I would rather say there is peace on the mountain. I'm going up to where Jesus is. And when this whole thing is over, me and Jesus have overcome the world. That's where I want to live. I'm not going to stay down here afraid with all the people maintaining donkeys. I'm climbing the mountain. I'm going to where God has called me to be. And hey, I believe you can get there too.
I believe this message is for you. You know, we did pray for you. We prayed against the spirit of fear before you came in the building. We anointed all the chairs. We prayed over the doors. We asked that when you came in the building, you would come in one way and you would go out another way. Let me tell you, I'm not here to establish a religion. I'm not here to have a career, okay? I didn't start doing what I'm doing and we didn't start Daystar Church so that I could have a job, okay? I believe that this is a place where God does what only God can do, that miracles could happen in this place today. If I didn't believe that, I would not be here. I need somebody to believe with me. I need you to believe the scary thing, the frightening thing, the thing that's bringing a spirit of fear against you, that the name of Jesus is for you. And it's powerful enough to overcome what you're dealing with.